ComC is excited to announce their latest partnership with CGC Trading Cards and CSG. With over 30 million raw cards available in our marketplace, ComC is ready to provide an effortless grading experience for you to buy, sell, and now grade your Marvel, Sports, Star Wars, and TCG trading cards. ComC is thrilled to offer a smooth and seamless grading experience that is available today for all their customers. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. I want to start today by spending a few minutes talking about the idea of family comes first. You know, I'm open on the shop only on Saturday and Sunday afternoons from noon to four. And most of the times that works. But occasionally we've got family commitments that come up and then there's some kind of conflict. Is the shop going to stay open or is this family thing going to come first? And this last weekend was one of those examples where I actually had to close both Saturday and Sunday due to family commitments. On Saturday we had some conflicting performances with our two girls. One of our daughters had a cheerleading competition up in the Chicago suburbs, and our other daughter had a choir competition here in town. And so we needed to figure out what we were going to do because one parent couldn't do both things. And so my wife ended up taking my daughter up to the Chicago area for her competition, and I took my other daughter to her choir competition, which was right in the middle of the afternoon, which meant there was no way that the shop was going to be able to be open. And so I decided to close. And then on Sunday, unfortunately, my wife's grandmother passed away and we had the funeral to go to on Sunday. And so I had to close again on Sunday to go to the funeral and and spend some time with our family, which was good. And so family comes first when it comes to cards. I get that question of how do you balance it? Well, when there's a decision point, the family is always going to come before the shop and before cards and so that example had to be lived out this last weekend and so it was kind of the first weekend in a long time where I was just completely off and didn't really have the shop open or or any shop commitments and so took a little break to spend some time with the family this last weekend and just like to encourage all of you out there too if you ever get into that situation where your hobby is starting to impact family relationships It's time to take a step back maybe and think through which of those two things really is the greater priority. So that's my little bit of encouragement to you before we get into our interview today. Our interview is going to be with Jake Roy. And he has a great YouTube channel about 90s era basketball cards. And we're going to learn a little bit more from him here in just a couple minutes. But first I'm going to kick it over to Pat Hughes to tell you about the sports card shop at MoCo. Hi, this is Pat Hughes, Cubs announcer, coming to you from the sports card shop in beautiful New Buffalo, Michigan. The Gocher family has built an incredible place here for collectors to buy, sell, and trade cards and memorabilia. Be sure to stop by and let them show you around. TheSportsCardShop.com, connecting sports, athletes, the hobby, and collectors around the world. Well, Jake Roy is a collector best known for his focus on 90s era basketball cards. 
And with my prime childhood collecting years spanning from 86 to 96, his content fits right into my sweet spot, hitting all of those nostalgia feels for me. So I wanted to bring him onto the show to introduce him to anyone in our audience who isn't already familiar with his content. So Jake, welcome. Mike, it's a pleasure. Uh, you know, I've been a longtime listener, first time caller. <laughs> so this is, uh, is going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Yeah, we've had a chance to interact online, you know, sending some direct messages and things like that back and forth over the years, but I've never actually had you on the show yet. So I'm glad you're willing to, to spend a few minutes today to chat. How did you get started collecting? Yeah, so uh, a lot of people probably know my typical story, but there's a little bit of a preamble. So I'm going to I'm going to bring you way back and give you the okay. whole story. Uh, so growing up, my older brother, he's he's five years older than me, roughly uh, had dyslexia. So my parents trying to help him through that um, decided that a good thing for him to get into was sports cards because he was interested in, in primarily baseball. Uh, and, the, you know, especially back in like the late 80s, early 90s, there was a lot of stuff you could read about, but also a lot of numbers on the back. So stuff to help him uh, through his own interests, work through his dyslexia. Um, so growing up with a brother in the house that collected cards, naturally, I was surrounded by them. Um, and then I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I was I was young, uh, you know, primary school. Uh, I went to a card shop with him and my dad. And I remember he was searching. He's a Raiders fan. So he's searching for Napoleon Coffin rookie cards. Um, you know, so trying to help him find some of those. And I remember the one that he wanted, I think was an upper deck rookie card where Napoleon has his shirt off and just like the, the, the shorts, the Raiders shorts. And I said, I didn't like it cause he didn't have a shirt on. Um, <laughs> so, uh, going there, my dad was interested in, in, you know, getting us all interested in cards. So he said, you know, pick out a pack of cards and, and rip them open. So naturally I picked uh, X-Men pack. I actually still have a couple of the hits, uh, Magneto and, and a couple other, you know, kind of not worth much, but they're fun nostalgia pieces. So fast forward a couple more years and it's the summer of 1995 and I would spend a lot of my summer with my grandparents at their at their lake house. And um, there was an Olympia sports that had just opened up down the road. And one of their promotions to get people in the door was they would give you a free pack of cards when you came in. So 95, 96 NBA hoops was out. And I went in there and got a free pack of cards as often as that store would let me. <laughs> so my brothers and I and a couple of the kids that lived near us uh, would go in and we'd rip these packs and we trade the cards back and forth. Uh, you know, so that summer I also made my first trade. I had pulled a Jalen Rose subset card and my brother kind of swindled me and gave me a John Starks, which I, you know, reluctantly got. But um, so that was really what got me started is is ripping into those packs of basketball packs, the, the NBA hoops. And, uh, you know, from there it blossomed into, you know, me really loving the sport and uh, picking a player to collect and trying to get every single card of Penny Hardaway that I could possibly find. So that was the origin. Actually, a Marvel pack was the first pack. And then then basketball. Were you basketball only at that point? Or did you also collect other other sports? You know, you mentioned your brother was was after some football. Did you also collect baseball and football too? Or or when you kind of focused in on basketball, that was it? Yeah. So naturally, baseball, there was just so much of it available that there, there was going to be some of that, um, you know, in, in, in the nineties thinking about, you know, where I grew up in New England, you know, the Red Sox, Nomar Garcia Parra was, it was a big time player. So, um, a lot of the cards that I would get would be from like a local department store called Ames that's now out of business. So sometimes when I'd go in there with the money that I had saved up or earned through doing stuff around the house, 
uh, I would just get whatever was available. So if basketball was there, I would get basketball. But if not, um, I would get baseball. And then football was definitely third for me at that point. But uh, as a Packers fan, uh, if I saw a Packer player on the front, I might go for that over baseball. Well, you've mentioned a couple of things here in the last minute that that begs the question, right? You got into basketball, but you mentioned Orlando and Penny was your primary focus. Yep. You mentioned football was third, but your favorite team was the Packers. You mentioned growing up in New England. So <laughs> typically when I talk to people from New England, it's the Patriots and it's the yep. Celtics who, who are their focus. What was it about Penny and Orlando that, that drew you in? And what was it about Green Bay and the Packers that drew you in instead of kind of those other New England teams? Yep. So both great stories, but very different. Uh, so we'll start with Penny. So in the 90s, everybody knew the Bulls. I'm, I'm wearing a Bulls <laughs> warm-up right now. So my my younger brother was a huge Bulls and Michael Jordan fan. And, and we always joked that he he just liked whoever was winning. You know, So naturally, that was the Bulls. And my brother, my younger brother and I are pretty close in age, so I couldn't root for the same team as him. We have a lot of sibling rivalry between the two of us. And so I wanted to root for somebody else. And And the funny story is, so part of the context is you have to think back to the 90s and, you know, we didn't have the high def TVs that we do now where you can see the sweat dripping down. Standard def, you know, you're lucky if you can make out the numbers sometimes on the back of the player's jersey. And so watching the Bulls with my brother, he's rooting for Michael Jordan. I saw there's another guy on the court that's playing really well. His name happened to be Scottie Pippen. So my dad's educating me a little bit about Scottie Pippen. I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I can root for him, but he's on the same team. So then like a week or so later, we're watching another game. And instead of a team in red, we're watching a team that's wearing a blue Jersey. And I see this guy that looks familiar. So I'm like, he's playing really well. I like him. So, you know, I start paying attention and then fast forward like another week or so and the Bulls and the Magic are playing against each other. And at this point, I'm really confused because I see Scottie Pippen, who I knew was Scottie Pippen, and I see the guy on the blue team that I thought was Scottie Pippen because they looked similar. They both had kind of like that short fade. So I was like, how is does he have a twin? So now I'm asking a lot of questions. You know, I'm, I'm pretty young. So my dad's explaining to me, no, that's Penny Hardaway. That's Scottie Pippen and, and the difference between the two of them. So Penny Hardaway was obviously giving the business to Jordan. So I said, okay, now that's my guy. So Penny, Penny captivated, captivated me from that point forward. So that was Penny. How about Green okay. Bay? Where did that come from? So that one's very different because, um, so that one goes back to third grade. The, uh, most people that I grew up with were, you know, rocking the starter jackets for like the Cowboys, the 49ers, stuff like that. So going into the playoffs and the New England Patriots make it with Bill Parcells and Curtis Martin, you know, Drew Bloodstone, all those guys. So all these people who all year were wearing, you know, the Cowboys and the Niners are talking about Emmett Smith and Troy Aikman, and Steve Young and Jerry Rice, all of a sudden start saying, I've always been a Patriots fan. I said, I can remember two months ago, two weeks ago, you were not a Patriots fan then. So that really annoyed me that people were just like jumping on and just, you know, claiming allegiance that they never had. So I said, just to kind of be the foil, I'm going to root against the Patriots and root for the Packers. So, uh, you know, went to a Super Bowl party with some friends and, you know, our families and uh, I had all these Packers gear on and the Packers won. So they made me right. And that made me feel great. So <laughs> I was like, that's my team. I'm riding with him. The next year was a good year. They ended up losing to the Broncos, but, uh, you know, stuck with them ever since. The next thing I want to talk about, that was like the origin story. And I, I appreciate that. That was cool to listen to. I appreciate your kind of 
bucking the trend type mentality on these things. You don't want to go along with the mainstream of what everybody else is doing. I, I appreciate that a lot. When you kind of moved throughout elementary school and into junior high, high school, did you continue to collect through that whole time? Did you take a break in your collecting or kind of have you been pretty consistent throughout your your life once you started? Yeah, so I, I never really stopped collecting, but my collection has always it's gone through different journeys, right? So yeah, I was, I was a really heavy collector, especially in middle school. Um, you know, it was very definitely not cool, but I didn't really care. Um, and, but I also had a few friends as well as my brothers that also collected. So, you know, that was something that we could all bond together through, um, going into high school, you know, focusing a little bit more on sports, you know, trying to talk to girls, not very successfully, I might add, um, you know, collecting wasn't as much of a priority, but it was definitely still something I did, you know, at least every week. And I would get, you know, boxes and packs of cards for my dad on, you know, birthdays and Christmas. So collecting was always there. It wasn't as much of a focus. Um, you know, going into college, it took a little bit more of a backseat, but every summer when I'd be home or every Christmas, you know, I'd run to, to Walmart or wherever and pick up some retail packs and boxes. And, uh, I wasn't as, keenly focused on like Penny Hardaway and some of my player PCs, I was just focused on having some fun ripping some wax, um, you know, and then fast forwarding after college and in a family, um, it again, took a backseat, but then started to creep back up more and more as, you know, as the kids were young and I was looking for some more nostalgia. Because you continued to collect through that whole time, your, your YouTube channel is, and your social handles and everything else is, is focused on, on nineties, right? The nineties basketball cards. And so as you continue to collect through that whole time, why, when you decided to start doing content, did you decide to focus in on the the nineties era? Yeah. So through all of that, the one thing is there was never a player that really captivated me like Penny did. And some of the other guys from the Mm nineties, you know, Iverson, Kevin Garnett, like those guys, I really gravitated towards their game. I liked watching them a lot. Uh, not that I didn't like anybody in the modern era, but it, nobody really captivated me the same way. Um, that coupled with the fact that I'm a, a heavily nostalgic person, uh, that nostalgia mm-hmm. of the 90s and some of those memories that a lot of those cards would would conjure up in me um, definitely was a was a winning factor. But the other thing is I just knew it better. You know, it, when I was in mm-hmm. elementary school, middle school, reading the Beckett's like pouring over them, studying them. You know, the pack odds were something I was really interested in. So because I knew so much about it and I had a lot of nostalgia for it and the players really resonated with me, um, all of those factors just made that a, an obvious home for for my collecting aspirations. What prompted you to want to start making content? And was it video from the start or did you ever, you know, start with a blog, you know, and, and go in or you did you consider doing a podcast or you know, what was it that prompted you to start making content and then focus in on YouTube kind of being your your primary uh, venue for sharing that content? Yeah. So really, the, the genesis for it was when I started getting into cards online, a lot of my collecting was, you know, <laughs> just I would be kind of like that that silent collector in, in terms of like the Instagram community, what we would consider them private collectors now. Um, so when I started getting involved online, it was really on Facebook, the, the first Facebook group I ever joined for cards was a Penny Hardaway group started by Brian Wells, who has shipped my cards. If anybody's familiar with him, a great guy, and it's a great group. Uh, you know, so 
getting back in there, I would see some questions that would pop up from time to time, whether it's about a product or a card or whatever. And a lot of them the 90s cards, these questions would come up repeatedly. So I would try to help it out answering the comments. But I started to think like there's going to be a better way rather than repeating the same answers over and over and over again. You know, some people would be new to the group or or whatever, um, you know, totally understand that. But I was like, how can we create something that answers these questions so people can just have a resource to go to. Um, so that's where I started thinking, like, how do I solve that problem? And then to me, cards are naturally visual. Um, it's hard for me to describe some cards. Sometimes you just have to see it. And other people are better with words than I am. Um, but also sitting down and like typing a blog out was just something that seemed very monotonous to me. So I felt as though sitting behind a camera would be better for the cards. Um, and the only way I could think to shoot it was to also show myself because I wanted to feel like it was personal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and there were some influences from other people that were making content outside of um, cards. Uh, you know, people talk about Gary Vee. So, you know, everybody watched his content at some point in time. You know, so I wanted to have a personal connection with people that I was trying to help and show them the cards. So that's why I ended up leaning on um, on doing it through YouTube is, is to answer those questions, create the connections, but also show the cards. What do you enjoy most about doing that? You've been doing it for a while now. You know, you've had a chance to experiment with a few different things and a few different styles of content and that type of stuff. What do you enjoy most about making your, your content? I think the thing I like the most is really those connections that it helps form um, with people. And there are so many people that I've met in the card world that I don't think I would have met or had as close of a connection with if I didn't make content. Um, so I would say those connections and, and really strengthening those connections with people are, are the one piece that I enjoy the most. You talked about Penny being one of those initial primary focuses, and I know you continue to, to, to have a, a Penny collection. What's that, that Hardaway collection look like right uh, now? It's expansive. <laughs> I, I actually went on to uh, Trading Card uh, DB and started logging my penny collection. So I'm up over 1,000 unique penny cards. Um, I don't know the exact number because there's some of them that I have like tucked away and I'm reluctant to put it on that database as having it unless I've set eyes on it. Um, you know, and, and some of my close friends who have like seen my collection, they joke with me that it's an assembly. It's not a collection because um, my organization of it when I was a kid and I had more time to spend with it was, you know, pretty meticulous and it's not as meticulous as I'd like it now, but you know, we'll, we'll get there uh, over time. Um, you know, so yeah, it, it, but when I say it's a thousand unique cards, there are multiple duplicates that I'm constantly going through and trying to cull through, um, you know, get those in the hands of other collectors or other people who are going to appreciate them. Cause as time goes on, you know, I'm realizing that having, you know, five copies of a card might not be um, what I need. Are there other um, basketball players from that era that you kind of collect as well? Just maybe not quite as, as expansively as. Oh, as yeah. Penny? Yeah. So, um, you know, I did a this is probably two years ago. I did like a, a collecting pyramid uh, that I put on my Instagram. Uh, thanks to the uh, the sports card therapist, Rob was the one that, uh, had shared that, that I thought was a cool idea. So Penny's definitely at the top of my pyramid. Uh, you know, he's, he's the head honcho below him is Iverson, then Kevin Garnett. And then, you know, it goes beyond that. So some of the other guys that are kind of like on the, 
the tertiary list would be, uh, you know, Baron Davis, Lamar Odom, Vince Carter, Michael Finley, a little bit of Corey Maggette, uh, you know, some Packers sprinkle in there, you know, so there's there's no shortage of fun that I can have when I go to a show. Any modern people or, or primarily just the the 90s nostalgia guys? Yeah, so there I can't think of any modern guys that I actively seek out. Like if I'm ripping wax, I will hold on to any LeBrons, uh, any Steph Curry's. Um, my wife liked both of those guys. Um, and any John Morant's because my daughter has decided that he's her favorite player. So I hang on to all of those for them. Um, but there's no players that I, in the modern era that I seek out. Well, that's a lie. There is one, it's a football player. It's very obscure. Uh, Mason Crosby from the Packers uh, is probably the only mm-hmm. guy. And I just seek out, uh, you know, cool cards of his on card autos. Um, there's not too many. And then he's only in one year of prism. So I'm trying to collect some of the more rare prism cards of him from 2019. I love that. And that's kind of the the approach that I've taken with a few of my PC focuses as well. Right. And so um, from a basketball perspective, Jordan was my first my first love growing up in central Illinois. I, I don't know that I had much of a choice. And um, Jordan is is my first focus. But then like recently, I started to focus in on what brings me joy, what makes me happy, what brings me back to those childhood times when, you know, you know, those good times, I guess, for, of growing up. And one of those that I landed on recently was was reflecting back on Tyrone Nesby. Yep. Um, and so getting a chance to meet him in, when we were both in high school, he grew up in Southern Illinois and I was in central Illinois. Uh, we were both at our state basketball tournament. I was in the three point contest and he was in the dunk contest and I had a chance to meet him and get his autograph there. Um, and so I was like, you know what? He had a, a fairly short three or four year run in the NBA. I should see how many cards mm-hmm. he has and see what I've already got of his and see what else I can track down. And um, so I've started to, to, I pulled all those out. I've started to track down some of the other ones. Um, and he's another one that's super mm-hmm. affordable, right? You know, and so I've, I was able to, to pull together quite a few of those and I'm kind of down to some of the, the mm-hmm. one of ones and maybe some of the stuff that's serial numbered under 50. That's a little bit harder to find. Um, that, that's kind of all I have left. Wow. And so I'm always kind of keeping an eye out for any of those Nesby cards that I may not have. Um, but also a little bit of Bobby Hurley. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed watching him play when he was in college and then got off to a early promising start yeah. as a rookie until he got into his accident and was never quite the, the same after that. So I've, I've started to, to pull together a little bit of that focus on, on some guys, set those guys aside that do mean something to me from those days of high school and college and, and that type of thing. So I real I appreciate that idea of focusing in on on those nostalgia guys from the past. Sometimes they're worth something. You know, sometimes they're they're popular and have very mm-hmm. expensive cards. And sometimes they're guys like Mason Crosby, a kicker who um is not necessarily a, a super hot follow industry wide or or hobby wide. I, I appreciate that. So thanks for sharing some of those. I saw recently that you're starting a new series on the channel. Tell me a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, so always trying to think of different ways to kind of, you know, serve the uh, the audience. 
Um, so I got an idea from a different content creator who's who's in a completely different space, just talking about you know improving your videos. Was to do like a open office or office hours. I can't remember which one I'm calling it, but I'm calling it the collector open office or collector office hours. One of the two. I haven't landed on which one yet. But the idea is that people will ask a question through the DM or a comment on whichever social media platform they're on. And I'll just shoot like a quick, you know, one minute or less video answering the question. You know, I thought it would be something quick and easy and fun, but also something that I can do on the fly. I don't have to like set up the whole apparatus to create a video. Um, but also sometimes for me, to be completely honest, when I'm making content, probably the least fun part of it is the editing you know, so doing a, a traditional Q&A, there's a lot of editing that I try to put in there. And it, it tends to not happen as quickly as I'd like it. And I think these, these one minute videos will be able to serve uh, the same purpose, but uh, do it in a much easier and more, uh, I think it's going to be a little bit more of a approachable format. I like that. And I like the idea of just experimenting with something different, you know, mixing it up a little bit, I think is is fun to do from time to time and keeps it fresh for both you as the creator, as well as as the audience. So I think that's pretty cool. I like how in your kind of intro, you said it doesn't necessarily have to be basketball right. card related or even card related. It could be other stuff that you're you're open to, to talking about. And I think that's I think that's pretty cool. You're pretty active on social media, you know, variety of channels, Twitter, Facebook, you mentioned with some of the groups, TikTok, Instagram as well, right? Do you have a favorite uh, social media platform that you use to engage or have you found the engagement level, um, your connection to your viewers and your community higher in one platform versus another? Yeah, I, I think Instagram tends to be the place where I go the most. and I think most people are. Uh, that I engage with on a regular basis. Um, I don't think many people are on TikTok yet looking for cards, but it's definitely growing. Most of the time when I'm on TikTok, it's really, you know, looking at comedy stuff or, uh, you know, kind of funny things. But also, I enjoy going on TikTok just to kind of try to get a little bit of inspiration for other stuff that I might put out. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's really good for for kind of that creative juice flowing um, when, I, when I'm looking for a boost. Twitter is probably the place where I am the least and it's been hard for me to find, you know, basketball collectors, like people that collect the things that I'm really interested in. There's a lot like I know you're very active on Twitter. There's a lot of really great collectors. So when I'm looking for something outside of my typical 90s basketball wheelhouse, uh, I think that's a fun place to go, especially for baseball. I find there's a lot of people talking about it there. But but Instagram is where I, I typically reside. See, I've done things the opposite, and I don't know that that's good. Uh, Twitter's been my my primary source. Um, TikTok has come on for, for content creation for me as well. Um, I find, especially creating short form video, the, the editor, the, the ability to create on TikTok to me is, is much easier than, than trying to just natively do a, a YouTube or Instagram reel or whatever. And so a lot of times I will create on TikTok, leverage that video to then share on, on Instagram or YouTube. But I was slow to get on Instagram. The The interface just seems much more clunky to me, probably because I'm old, you know. And so I've been slow to adopt Instagram, slowly ramping up there. But I feel like I missed out on a lot of that community. I would agree with you that I think there's a very heavy focus or, or presence on Instagram that I've missed out on. And I was also slow to get on to YouTube as far as creating content as well. It's just been this last 
mm. several months that months that I've been proactive on trying to share some of these conversations that I've been having over the last few years that I've been doing the podcast in video format too. I had strictly been audio only through that whole time. And I had not been sharing any of the video, even though they're all video conversations. And so I feel like I've had the opposite two focuses, which has been fine, but I feel like I've also missed out a little bit. So I was just curious on, on what your approach has been kind of why and, and your logic on how you've, you know, approached those yeah. two things um, or those different areas, because it seems like every collector or every content creator has a slightly different take on on the different yeah, options. And I think Instagram also was an area that I wanted to look into again because of my feeling of like I wanted to see cards and share what the cards look like. And you know, Instagram was originally created to be a, a photo sharing platform. So I think if I was to get into it now, like if I was to just start getting into like online uh card spaces, I think Instagram would be very intimidating for me because you know, when I got my Instagram account, there were not nearly as many people on there for cards. I mean, there was still a very large community, um, but not nearly as many people as there are now. And I think the community also was a lot different because there were so many fewer people making content then that it was really just a lot of people sharing their collections. Um, and now you definitely get some of that, but sometimes you have to search for it and wade through uh, you know, some people are only promoting content, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I definitely do that on there as well. But, you know, if, if if you're looking for a specific focus, it's not as easy to find as I think it used to be uh, on Instagram. So I just feel I can understand how it would be intimidating for somebody to try to join there now. Well, hey, I appreciate you spending some time with us today, giving us your background, telling us a little bit more about your channel. Definitely encourage people to check it out. But if somebody does want to check it out, if they're not already familiar with you, where can they find you and where can they find yeah, definitely. your channel? So uh, like you mentioned, uh, I am 90s underscore b-ball underscore cards on pretty much every platform. Uh, you know, so YouTube for the videos, Instagram, uh, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook. My page is actually 90 b-ball cards. I uh, forgot to put the S in there when I was creating it. And I'm just, uh, you know, I haven't gotten around to figuring out how to change it. So that's just... Uh, one of the quirks of me now. I appreciate it again. I I will also put links to all of Jake's stuff in the show notes. And so if you didn't catch that for some reason, you can check down below in the show notes and I'll have links to everything as well. But Jake, thanks for spending a few minutes. I, I love your passion for the 90s. That's right in my sweet spot too. And so uh, thanks again Thank for you. coming on today. Fun. Well, I really enjoyed that conversation with Jake. Like I said before, we had been interacting and sending direct messages from time to time over the last couple of years, but this was the first time that I had a chance to sit down and actually have a conversation with him. And so I really enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed that as well. Next week, we're going to be bringing on Daniel Machado from Upper Deck. He is involved with their direct-to-consumer platform, their EPAC platform which I am very familiar with because it is a big part of the integration with ComC. ComC does all the fulfillment for that EPAC platform. And with ComC being the sponsor of the show, with me being so heavily involved in buying and selling on ComC, I'm a big user of a lot of those cards that got transferred from the Upper Deck E platform to being for sale on the ComC marketplace. And so I wanted to bring Daniel on to talk a little bit more about the EPAC platform. And that's the conversation that you're going to hear next week. 
I would love any feedback you had on today's conversation. You can reach me at the Mike Summer on Twitter. You can send me an email at waxpackhero at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at TikTok at waxpackhero. You can leave a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. Those are all ways that you can connect with me and share some feedback on what you like about the show and what you think I could be doing better. And I always appreciate it if you spend a minute and tell a friend about the show as well. That is all I have for you today, so I will catch you next time.